0: Well, hello and good morning and welcome to White Oak. My name is Kevin. I'm the campus pastor here. It is so good to have you with us, uh, whether you are in person here or whether you are joining us online, we are live streaming right now. We are in our second week of our January series that is called Vantage Point. And I feel like that this is a perfect New Year series. In this series, we are acknowledging that God has a perspective that we simply don't have, that God's vantage point is far better than ours. You know, perspective is an interesting thing. We don't often realize that sometimes in life we're too close to a situation or that we just simply don't have a clear view of the things that are happening. And so to demonstrate that, we're going to go through some pictures to see if you can identify what it is That we're looking at. They do these quizzes where they show you these really close-up photos and to see if you can guess what they are. And I don't know if you're any good at this or not, but we're going to give it a try. And if you're watching online with us, go ahead and drop down in the comments what it is you think they are, see if you're right. So we're going to start with the first one. So uh, your job, go ahead and yell it out. If you think you know what that is, yell it out. Let me go ahead and hear it. All right, I think I heard maybe right in, this is something kids don't like, it is broccoli, all right? My son actually likes broccoli. I'm okay with it if it has a lot of cheese on it, okay? Like steamed, uh, but, uh, but broccoli, okay? Uh, let's see if you can get this second one. All right, I don't know what you're thinking, but uh, the answer is it is a book, Okay, So you're looking at the pages of a book there. Uh, we'll go on to number three, okay? So you're trying to figure out what this is. If you know what it is, say it. put it in the comments. I heard pasta. Let's see if you're right. okay. We've got some pasta noodles there. And uh, and number four, I feel like this is an easy one, but that's because I know what it is. All right, So it could be a cat, but it's not. It's a uh, it's a paintbrush, all right? And, uh, and so these are fun, right, uh, because we're trying to figure out what they are. But there is some truth to the fact that sometimes you're so close to something, sometimes you're so zoomed into something that it's like, oh, what is that? You think you know what it is, but when you pull back, you realize that it's not what you thought it was. Sometimes we're so close to a situation, we can only see a small part of it, we don't see everything that's happening. And so in this series, we're trying to illustrate this idea that God has a better view. God has a vantage point that we simply don't have. If you were with us last week, our big idea was that God has a perspective that you don't have. And that's really the building blocks, that's the foundation for this series, this idea that if we can accept the fact that God has a perspective when it comes to our life and the life of the people around us that we simply do not have. Through this whole series, we're focusing on something that we're calling the sovereignty of God, and that's just a really fancy way to say that God is who he says he is. But in this series, we are defining sovereignty like this. We're saying sovereign, to have complete control and authority, to not be controlled by outside influence. And we believe that that is what God is, that God has complete power, God has complete control, God has complete authority, and that he is not controlled by any kind of outside influence. Today we're talking about the fact that God has complete authority and power. And, you know, there's two things that might seem like no beaners well, when it comes to our faith, when it comes to understanding who God is, you'd be like, oh yeah, of course, God has complete authority, God has complete power. That makes complete sense to me. But, but here's the thing, we often talk like that, we often say that, we'll acknowledge it, but living it out, is much different. Truly living out and submitting and surrendering to say that, you know what, God's got complete control. He's got complete power over my life. We often doubt that sometimes when things get really hard. God's sovereignty means that he possesses supreme authority you know, and there's many things that are in our life like pain and disappointment and choices that other people make. Sometimes our own feelings, our prayers that go unanswered. And so we can struggle with that idea. We, we can say it on one hand, but to actually live it out. And here's something that you need to recognize and realize today. That God is big enough. God is, is strong enough to handle your doubt, and your questions. Because he possesses supreme authority, we're allowed to wrestle with our lack of understanding while at the same time trusting him. And so our big idea today is this. Understanding is not a prerequisite for obedience. See, I believe that we live in a time where we feel like we have to understand everything. If I'm going to do something, I have to understand it. You've got to give me a reason. It's got to be rational or else I'm not going to participate. I'm a big fan of the Karate Kid movies, you know, the ones with Daniel LaRusso, the original Mr. Miyagi ones. And uh, if you're familiar with that franchise, you know that it starts off in the training. Mr. Miyagi is training Daniel on how to do karate, But he's got some unorthodox training methods. And so in the very first training scene, Mr. Miyagi has this line of cars. And he's gonna have Daniel wash these cars and wax these cars, wax on, wax off. Well, Daniel's a teenage boy, and so while he's washing cars and while he's painting the fence and while he's sanding the deck, he's getting frustrated. And he he snaps at one point, and he's yelling at Mr. Miyagi. He's like, you just brought me here to do all your chores. And Mr. Miyagi says, show me. Show me wash the car. Show me paint the fence. And so as Daniel begins to show him the movements that he was learning and doing these chores... But Daniel soon begins to realize is that through this entire process that Mr. Miyagi was training him how to do karate, Daniel just didn't understand it. He didn't see it. And for us, I think we've lost that ability and sometimes to be able to trust, be able to walk into something and do something that somebody asked us to do without fully understanding it. Now, we want to take a look at Luke chapter 5 because we have a very similar situation that happens in the life of Jesus' followers. And so if you've got your Bible, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 5. We're going to be there for most of the morning. And uh, we're going to start with verse 1. And so uh, if you've got a Bible app, turn to Luke chapter 5. If you've got your Bible or if you want a Bible, we've got them at the Hub. We'd love for you to have one with you. Luke chapter 5, starting with verse 1. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowd from there. Jesus is manufacturing his own stage here. He sees some boats that some fishermen were using, and so he gets into them and uh, pushes out from the water a little bit. Experts will tell you that this was a way that water is a magnifier of sound. And so the people would have been able to see him clearly. They would have been able to hear him. And so Jesus is using these uh, boats, this boat, if you will, as a platform to be able to teach to the people who had gathered around. And he knows the boat owners, okay? this Simon that is the boat owner, we know him as Peter, And he had had interaction with these people a few times before this, John chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 4, capture these interactions that Jesus had with these fishermen before he calls them on this day. He had challenged them to follow him previously, uh, but it's evident that they continue to come back to the thing that they know the best, which is fishing. They're having trouble leaving this behind. So when Jesus asked Simon, known as Peter, to push the boat out a bit, uh, there's this existing relationship. We'll pick up in verse four. Well, when he had finished speaking, he had said to Simon, "Now go out where it is deeper, and let your nets to ca- let your nets let down your nets to catch some fish." Master, Simon replied, "We worked hard." all last night and we didn't catch a thing. So when Jesus is finished teaching, he asks Peter. He says, "Hey, now that we're done with this, won't you push these boats out into the deep a little bit? Let your nets back down." Now Peter and his friends had been fishing all night, and so this is the morning Jesus comes and he teaches. They're cleaning their nets, they're done. They they haven't slept. And Jesus comes and tells them, hey, won't you try things again? It didn't make sense to Peter. Peter knows what he's doing, right? Peter would understand that, uh, who's this guy that's going to tell me how to fish? I don't know if you're an expert in anything. I don't know if you're, like, really good at something. There's something that's kind of, like, in your wheelhouse, something you've been trained to do, something you've done your whole life. You ever had anybody come and they try to tell you how to do what it is that you're doing? You know, you feel like, hey, don't try to undermine, you know, it's like, I know what I'm doing. I, I do this for a living. This is what I do. But Jesus is telling Peter to do something. Jesus is asking Peter to try something different. And, and Peter's just got to be shaking his head. See, for Peter, Peter's been a fisherman his entire life. He grew up on these waters. You know, any half-witted fisherman would know that you caught the fish in waters at night, and you caught those fish in the shallow waters. Jesus is asking him to do the exact opposite of everything that his father probably ever told him. Peter and his co-workers were cleaning their nets because they had already been doing this all night long, and they had caught nothing. They knew. Fish just weren't... On today. What about you? what things are God challenging you to do that may be contrary to what culture, your neighbors, your friends, even sometimes your own heart is asking you to do. You know sometimes God challenges us in ways. How does God challenge your perspective on finances? Your money's yours and do with it what you want, but Jesus in Matthew 25 tells us that God gives us our resources and he is calling us to manage them with a purpose. What about your perspective on relationships? You know, sometimes we feel entitled to our bitterness To our revenge, to our unforgiveness. But in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus challenges us to forgive. And he says that our ability to forgive others is linked to our ability to be forgiven. What about your vantage point on sexuality? You trust what you hear from other people, or do you go to the Word of God and say, you know what? I'm gonna base my thoughts and my feelings on what God teaches. What about your view on really anything? You, you name it, you name the topic, you name the subject line. God has written and given us instruction on almost every area of life. And there are times when we butt heads with God. For all of us here today, and if you're watching online, I just want you to think about that. What are the areas of your life that seem to come into conflict with the things that God's asking you to do? With the areas where maybe God's really challenging you to submit, where you wrestle with God over control. Because it's one thing to say it, it's one thing to sing it, it's one thing to talk to your friends about it, but it's another thing to actually live it out, to really submit to God. Remember, understanding is not a prerequisite for obedience. There's some places where God's going to call you to be obedient in your life, and you may not truly understand them, you may not fully understand the why, but to understand that God's got a vantage point that you do not have. And that God wants the best for you, and that if you're simply just going to trust that His way is a better way, our perspective is limited, and it is dependent on our surroundings, our culture, our family. We are a product of all the things that are around us, and we can say, "No, we're not. I'm my own person. I make my own. I make up my mind. I make the shot. I call the shots here." But the truth is, all of us are this merger of all the things around us. You know, it's an illusion to think that we're in control. We don't get to determine how all of this goes. We're barely in control of anything. The thing that we have to really kind of let go of, the thing that we really have to try to understand is the fact that we're not really in control of anything. We let our feelings dictate how we live our lives. We let our culture dictate how we live our lives. We let our neighbors dictate how we live our lives. We let our family dictate how we live our lives. And very rarely do we actually go to the source and allow God to dictate how we live our lives. There's one thing and, only, and one thing only that can lead us to the good, right choices that we need to make. And that's the word of God. That, that is truly submitting ourselves and following what it is that God has called us to do. There's this ancient story that uh, takes place in the Old Testament about a man named Job. And uh, and Job in the Old Testament is someone who experienced unimaginable suffering. If you've got time, we're not going to be able to cover all of this, but if, uh, if you're familiar with the book of Job or you want, to, you want to read about Job in the Bible, I encourage you to do that. You know, the first three, four, five chapters will kind of get you caught up on everything that's happening in Job's life. But we're going to fast forward towards the end because what happens is Job's got all this misery and all this suffering that happens to him in the book. And come late in the book, around Job chapter 38, Job has just had enough. And, he, and he's upset, and he's angry, and he's confused about why all of this bad stuff continues to happen to him. And so in a moment of weakness, he cries out, questioning God. Why, God? Why would you let this happen to me? Why, why would this take place? Why, why are you doing this to me, blaming God for a situation? So in Job chapter 38, starting with verse 2, God responds to Job. And this is what he says. He says, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determines its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone? Who keeps the sea inside its boundaries as it bursts from the womb? Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and cause the dawn to rise in the east? Have you explored the springs from which the seas come? Have you explored the depths? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you know. And God asks Job, where does light come from? And where does darkness go? Can you take each to its home? Do you know how to get there? But of course you know all this. For you were born before it was all created. And you are so very experienced. You want to talk about somebody being put in their place. Have you ever stopped to think that when we question God and we ask why, that sometimes maybe God is thinking to himself, Where were you? Where were you when I spoke the world into existence? See, God has complete power. And, authority. and in his word, he gives us instruction on how to live. He gives us instruction on what's expected of us and how to be a follower. Our experience is limited, but we have one who knows far more than we know. He has a vantage point far greater than our vantage point. So let's go back to that Luke chapter 5, right? Peter's on the water. Jesus finishes teaching. Jesus instructs Peter. He says, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to push out into the deeper water. will not you try letting your nets down and see what happens. Verse 5, Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so... I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners to the and the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. But if you say so, because it's you who says so, I'll do it. This is the attitude that Peter has. I don't understand it. I don't know if I agree with it. I don't even know if it's smart. But because you say so. Right, this is the attitude that Mr. Miyagi was trying to get Daniel to adopt. You don't have to fully understand it, but can you trust me? Can you just do what I'm asking you to do? Can you understand that I've got a perspective that you don't have? Can you understand that I want what's best for you? And this is what God is saying. He's saying, it may not make sense to you why I'm asking you not to live with your future spouse before you get married. It may not make sense to you why I'm asking you to wait. He says, it may not make sense to you why I'm asking you to give 10% of what you make back to me. He says, it may not make sense. I'm just asking you to trust me. But if you say so, That's the attitude that Peter adopted. Because it's you, Lord. Because it's you that's asking. I'll do it. John chapter 6, Jesus asked his disciples if they too will leave him after he says some things about the fact that he's going to die on a cross for the payment of sin, about how he's going to sacrifice his life and that how when he dies, there's going to be people that scatter around, that people are going to stop following him. And he says, do do you also intend to leave me? Peter replies to him, where would we go, Lord? There's no one else like you no one else like Jesus you know you and I we have this sphere of influence people who get to speak into our lives media culture our neighbors our friends our family our church lots of people speak into your life And they share with you. And they influence you. But hear me. There's no one like Jesus. There is no one like our God. No one who has a vantage point like God does. No one who can be trusted like God can, because God possesses all power and God possesses all authority. And so it is him and in him where we should place our full trust. There's going to be times in our life where we don't understand. There's going to be times in our life where it doesn't make sense and if we can have the attitude that Peter had and simply say this, but if you say so. But if you say so, Lord, I'm gonna follow. But if you say so, I'm gonna trust. But if you say so, Lord, I'm gonna do it. God's vantage point can be trusted because it is, it is higher and it is fuller, and it is longer, and it is better than ours. If we can just simply trust that what he has in store for us is better, that as sons and daughters we belong to him, and that he wants only the best for us, that he died on a cross so that we might have full life. You know, baptism is this thing for a lot of us that uh, that fits right in there. It's that moment where, you know, it doesn't make sense. Why do I got to go fully under? Why do I got to get wet? Why do I have to do? Well, this doesn't make sense, but it is, it's that moment. It's that, but if you say so moment for so many of us, understanding is not a prerequisite for obedience. And so if you come here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, man, I would love to have a conversation with you about that. In 2022, we have a goal to see more people come to full life in Jesus through baptism. And so we hope to have baptisms taking place Here at White Oak, each and every month. And so, whether you're here in person or whether you're watching online, if you've got questions about baptism, we would love to be able to answer them for you. You can find out more about baptism simply by going on our website. We've got a baptism part there. Uh, You can The QR code that we'll scan at the end, it's got links that take you to everywhere. You can come down front and you can talk to us, but if you're online, you can go on the website and you can find out more. We would love to be able to talk to you. Our children's ministry, if you stop by the children's ministry hub at the Grow Zone or you reach out to our children's ministry team on our website, they're offering special children's ministry classes that talk about surrendering your life to Jesus and what that looks like. It's that moment where, where maybe it doesn't fully make sense surrendering your life to Jesus. But it's that moment of trust. If you say so, can we get to the point in our faith in God where if, even if something doesn't make complete sense to us, we're still going to follow, we're still going to be obedient we're still gonna trust. If we can get to that moment where when we have questions and doubts, we can say, but because you say so, I'm gonna take steps forward. Will you pray with me? Dear only Father, I thank you so much for today. Thank you so much, God, for your word. I'm so thankful that you are above all that I can place my trust in you, God. Help me in times when I doubt. Help me in times where I'm weak. Help me to move even when I don't fully understand. Thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.